The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Chicago Cubs as I continue talking about all 30 pitching rotations for 2023. If you haven't caught up on this, go check back at all the other Plus Pitch podcasts. Uh, I've been going through many other teams. And today, of course, we got the Chicago Cubs. Keep in mind, I'm recording this at the end of November and in early December. That means that any trades, transactions, uh, free agents, injuries, all that kind of stuff, I don't know about. So I'm just looking at the current state of the Cubs and what it looks like, and the player analysis all still applies. So Marcus Stroman, 138 innings of 350 ERA, 115 whip, 21% strikeout rate, and a 6% walk rate in 2022. He is Marcus Stroman, and what's really funny is that his FIP in 2021 was 350, and he matched it as his ERA in 2022, and what was his whip? Both years were 115. He is somehow figuring out how to be exactly him, so do you want this? I mean, I guess you do. It does seem like he doesn't go up from here. And Nick, come on. He just did the same thing two years in a row. Yes, I get it. But I don't know. I feel like he can only go down. So he's essentially a Toby. Do you want a Toby on your team? By all means, go after Marcus Stroman. But there's nothing new about this. The sinker is pretty much the same. He's tinkered a little bit with sliders and cutters and maybe the splitter. But he just he just kind of figures it out to be this guy. And what's interesting, too, is that he generally doesn't have the most sweeping, amazing starts. And maybe he'll have like one or two blowups in the year. But it's all actually like a 3-5 ERA through the season of like five to six innings of about two to three earned runs. And that's the life of Marcus Stroman. So if you want some stability, especially in a deeper league, by all means, if you're in a quality start league, I think I would want to have Marcus Stroman on all my squads at the near the end of the draft. But I'm not spending a top 200 pick on Stroman. The gap between him and the waiver wire is much smaller than you want it to be. And let's say he struggles a bit in April and May. Um, a lot of you, I think, might still be holding on to Marcus Stroman. It's just there isn't enough to get, I think, out of him that I am going to target him in most drafts. But I get at the end of a draft, sure, why not? You have something decent uh, at the beginning of the year. And I should mention, as I want to, moving forward with all of these, I want to talk about what the first and second opponents are going to be for every team. Because keep in mind, when you're when you're grabbing guys at the end of your draft, you don't want to have players who you don't start early. The opening weekend is a huge deal where you do want to get a start in and then maybe get out for somebody else. If you have a pitcher who hasn't started in the opening weekend, someone does well, 
Now you are debating dropping the guy you haven't seen start yet for someone else, and it's a really bad feeling. So Marcus Stroman and the Cubs get three games against the Brewers. It should be Stroman. It should be Hendricks. It should be Justin Steele. Justin Steele, unless, of course, it's a free agent signing. And after that, it is in Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is maybe a little bit tougher, but the Milwaukee Brewers, you are starting Stroman, so that is good. If you have Stroman, you're starting him there. That's all fine. I'm going to say that at the beginning of all these podcasts moving forward. I apologize. I haven't done it for the other ones. I'll just say it really quickly, I guess. It's the Dodgers for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I didn't mention that one. Followed by the uh, the Padres for Atlanta. It is three against the Nationals. And then St. Louis. I feel like with all those guys, it doesn't really matter. You're going to be starting them anyway. But yeah, Charlie Morton against the Nationals. Fine. I'm okay with that. And then you have the, the Red Sox. We're going to be going against the... Uh, the Orioles for that opening weekend and then Pittsburgh. So benefits them completely. And then for the Orioles, who you're not going to be drafting anyway, it is the Red Sox and then the Rangers. So kind of interesting for the for the Red Sox with Chris Sale in there, of course. Uh, but maybe Nick Pavetta is a stream early. I don't really want to do that. Okay, back to the Cubs. Um, we have some really interesting guys to talk about here. There's Kyle Hendricks, who you might have forgotten about. And understandably so, disappointing 2021 and then you had 2022 that was starting off more of the same. And then he got hurt, had a scapula injury, shoulder, end of the year. And it's slightly up in the air uh, for 2023 as uh, the latest report was that he hadn't really started yet. But that was in October. He should be back for spring. I'm going to assume that he is. How was he not as effective in 2021 and 2022 before the injury? Well, change up is a huge, huge deal. Uh, that is the pitch that keeps batters at bay. It used to be around 70% strike rates in 2020 and before that. And it was all the way down to about 63% in 2021. That is not good. That pitch keeps the batters at bay for the sinker to do well. There's also the curveball that used to be a little bit more of a, uh, a bigger play back in like 2020. Not so much recently. The forcing has gotten more action, which you don't want to see with a 41% hard contact rate. It all adds up to a guy who's just... He needs everything to go right for him to succeed. Hendricks has not done that in the last couple of years. And I don't think that you should be gambling for Hendricks to come through um, early in this season. Uh, then you have uh, some fun guys. You have Justin Steele, Hayden Wisniewski, Adrian Sampson, Keegan Thompson, and Javier Sada. I'll talk about all of those after this quick break. So Justin Steele. 318 ERA, 119 innings, 24.6% K rate, but a 135 whip and a 10% walk rate. There's some hype around him because of a 21.4% hard contact rate that ranked 14th among all starting pitchers last year as he boasted a 25% K rate. Uh, that's pretty cool, and you can thank the slider for doing that. It's a really good slider. I wonder if he can pull a C's here. He throws about 30% of the time allowed, 136 batting average allowed, 14% hard contact. If he utilizes it more, like C's did, to about 40-45%, well, maybe there could be something here, but I think the fastball is just a little too pedestrian. It's fine. I watch it. It feels like it just kind of gets to the plate. I don't think that this is an elite pitch around 92 miles per hour. I don't think this is an excellent one. It's it's good-ish. Sometimes it has some nice cut, nice cut action, gets underneath bats inside to right-handers. Sometimes he's able to elevate and get some whiffs. But after that, then there's just nothing. And if this is all we get from Justin Steele, I think that whip is still going to be high. I think the walk rate is still going to be high. I'm not going to be chasing this despite the 25% K rate and 318 ERA last season. 
Hayden Wisniewski. Okay. So I, I was streaming on Twitch and talking about Hayden Wisniewski and I didn't really expect myself to love him that much. Um, I really saw him as a slider guy who doesn't really have much else supporting it. And let me tell you, the slider is amazing. 10% hard contact allowed is so good. Wicked movement. It passes the eye test. All of that stuff. It's an amazing pitch. And I imagine he's still going to throw it a ton next year. What I was missing before, I didn't realize how much I would like his sinker and his cutter. They go in opposite directions. Cutter's more to jam lefties. And actually, he's just generally like, hey, I need a free strike that isn't a fastball or a slider. And that's fine. It's good. The sinker is a high O-swing pitch. 42% O-swing for Hayden Wisniewski. Now, and it was 33 innings. Keep in mind, 218 ERA, 0.94 whip, and 25% K rate, 5% walk rate. Mix of relief and starting, but he also piggybacked at times. So it was like a long relief opportunity. But that sinker is interesting. And if he's able to go sinkers one way, cutters another, and then have this big breaking ball, and hey, sometimes that four-seam will work too. That's stuff here. That, that could work. There's also kind of a change-up as he shows up. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Wes Nesky. Um, I don't think that he deserves, right now I was just checking draft champions and everything, that top 300 ADP. You know, I was thinking he'd be around 400. I'd say, oh, cool, he's a sleeper. Maybe he does get the fifth spot for the Cubs this year if there is one maybe he can run with that and with that breaking ball being really good maybe the sinker is enough and dive enough underneath bats enough all that kind of thing but at 289 it, it feels like it's ignoring the limited possibility for playing time i really do think the cubs are getting at least one guy if not two and you'll probably know by the time uh, you hear this so wasneski i don't know if i want to chase it it is really interesting though i i think in 12-teamers, you you will be eyeing him a decent amount um, as the season begins, or at least kind of in May or so. Uh, and if he does get that start against Cincinnati, I think you're fine with that. Um, yeah, he's interesting. Now, Adrian Sampson, uh, there's some intrigue between Adrian Sampson, Keegan Thompson, which one do I like more? And I guess if you went with Sampson, you would have done pretty well. 311 ERA across 104 innings, 123 whip, 17% K rate, 6% walk rate. I think there's something here. Uh, the locations are really nice. Uh, the slider was really hard to hit. The four seamer was elevated a lot. Uh, and the sinker goes arm side and it does make a nice little triangle. Sometimes the changeup is there too. He does have one. Then he mixes in uh, about 13% of the time, but does not have a high strike rate. And that's kind of the problem here is that he doesn't get enough strikes uh, with a sinker, four seamer and uh, slider. It does allow for a higher walk rate, but I think that can come down. The hipper nine was 8.7. I think that theoretically could come down. If he's able to execute everything just right, I think Samson does have something here. Keep in mind, 17% slider usage should go up. 13% hard contact allowed. This is a better pitch than uh, than he, I think, believed it was. Um, and if he does keep elevating that four-seamer, really high a location on a 63% high lock versus the 51% that is the average for a four-seamer. Adrian Sampson, I think, is a little bit more interesting than Keegan Thompson, who's 376 ERA, 127 whip. Just a worse version, I think, across 115 innings. A little bit more of a strike strikeout upside at times. But I, I think his four-seamer is just generally worse. He doesn't locate it as consistently as uh, Sampson does. The cutter kind of is good. So is the curveball, he does get the curveball down, and that is a good asset to it. But I just think there's just not enough here. And that that's it. 
that that's really it. Like the the curveball, maybe they can be better, but as it currently is, everything that, that Thompson, Keegan Thompson provides just doesn't do enough. And I think uh, Samson is the one that should have a better chance of holding on to that rotation spot if if one were to show up. And then there's Javier Assad. Uh, 37 innings of 311 ERA, 146 whip though, 18% carry, 12% walk rate. When he first showed up, I kind of loved the cutter down away. I thought there's the pitch that is going to do some things and then nothing else is there. And that wasn't actually something that Asad was able to consistently do when he did get more chances later through the year. He did have two shutout games that is zero earned runs, I believe in the last two starts, not full nine innings, of course, maybe actually it was nine innings total in those two games. I don't want to read too far into that, the, those games. I don't think that it's something for you to chase. I also think he's so far down here um, on the options. Uh, bottom of the tone pole really is actually the top of it. It's fine. Uh, but uh, Assad it really isn't going to get many chances, especially early on. Maybe later on in the year, he could be a streamer once or twice. But yeah, not really the guy you want to go for. So in summary here, Stroman is an okay, safe play for your drafts. Hendricks, you don't want to really go for. Steele, I'm kind of out on. Wisteski's interesting. Deeper leagues, Adrian Sampson is the one I would consider of the Sampson, Thompson, Assad. While Thompson, it could come together if that curveball does become a bigger weapon. I mean, it was a 32% CSW. I really feel like it needs to bear most of the weight here as the four-seamer and cutter just don't do enough. Okay, so since I recorded this podcast, the Cubs have made not one but two signings. We got to talk about this. It does affect um, Hayden Wisneskis. The first thing I do want to mention, there's some thought about Adrian Sampson and Keegan Thompson, Javier Assad, uh, and of course Hayden Wisneski maybe getting into those rotation. And they might still do it later in the season. But out of the gate, you got to think that Drew Smiley and Jameson Tyone, of course, are inside this uh, rotation with Justin Steele. Justin Steele still there, right? So... It's just how it is. Kyle Hendricks is there too. I'm sorry, Hayden. Sorry, Keegan. Sorry, Adrian Thompson. Um, but I would not be drafting any of those guys out of the gate, even in 15 tamers. I just don't feel there's a need to stash them and just don't do it. But Jameson Tyone is now a Cub. Last year, 177 innings, 14 and 5 record with the Yankees, 391 ERA, 113 whip, 21% carry, and a 4.4% walk rate. You can thank that low walk rate for that good whip. I, I looked into him a little bit, and he is interesting. Why is that? Because I think he can really change his approach. He should be throwing more curveballs, just about 15% usage. And that thing was like a 16% hard contact rate, really effective for him, was really effective for him before Tommy John as well. Um, I think that Tyone should be focusing his slider down and in against lefties more often. Um, stop throwing this changeup, stop leaning on this cutter, and then go back to how he used to be with his forcing. When he first came to the Yankees in 2021 and he was recovering from Tommy John, they said, look, you've got a four-seamer that you can work on. So the sinker, use a four-seamer and elevate it. And it was really effective. It worked out a ton. The only problem was that he didn't have his curveball or his slider to supplement it. But now his curveball is good and his slider is better. And his four-seamer was low last year. It was a lot lower than we're used to. Went from 62% high lock to just 53%. And I have a feeling that Tyone is just going to, I don't know, his new scenery here and everything, that he could be moving 
into a different direction here. So that makes me a little bit more intrigued than I initially thought because I kind of was thinking like, oh, this is who Tyone is a little bit now, right? He's not going to have the greatest ERA, but he should have a decent whip. He's going to give you some innings. And also in the NL Central, he'll have freedom um, with uh, with the Cubs. And Dansby Swanson now is, is shortstop. That's a good thing too. That it might work out for him. So from a situation where I wasn't really interested in this, now I'm kind of intrigued uh, with Jameson Tyon. Unfortunately, uh, I believe they have a tough matchup out of the gate. But I, I, I will look into that in just a second. Uh, actually, let me see quickly. Oh, no, they don't. Okay, right, right, right. And even better, if for 12-teamers, is that Jameson Tyon, let's say he's the number three for the Cubs, right? You have Stroman... And you have whoever you want, Hendricks, uh, but then it should be Tyone. He gets the Brewers first. I am not scared of that Brewers offense. That's kind of cool to me. And so 12-teamers, especially in situations where I'm saying, look, I'm, I want to play the waiver wire out of the gate. You still want to have some production early and also to see like, hey, is this guy doing well? So take the chance on Tyone on the opening weekend and then kind of take it from there. So I'm kind of in again on Jameson Tyone. I think that you're going to see some adjustments from him. And uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out for him. The other addition I'm also kind of in on. It's Drew Smiley. And it's kind of funny to me. I put out these tweets every so often. that says like, hey, like this guy who just isn't getting drafted whatsoever was productive last year and has signs that he could still be productive. And people will say, well, here are all the negatives about him. I'm like, well, I know. It's cause that's why he's not getting drafted. Like, yeah, he doesn't stay healthy. Only 106 innings last year for Drew Smiley. Yeah, the sample I grabbed from, which is from the middle of the year, essentially the second half, since July 16th, Drew Smiley returned a 277 ERA, a 109 whip, and a 22% K rate with a 14% swing strike rate. Oh, it's only a 22% strikeout rate that you're chasing. Sure, but also a 14% swing strike rate in that time as he increased the velocity on his four-seamer, or actually really sinker, but it has four-seamer movement, stays up, and was located up as his curveball was excellent down. And he moved away from the cutter. I... This is good. I remember Drew Smiley last year be like, yes, go get Drew Smiley everywhere. And it was great for us. And all I can do is wonder, what do you got to lose? <laughs> you know, just grab Drew Smiley. He gets the either the Brewers or he will get uh, uh, Cincinnati in Great American Small Park. I'll, I'll take the chance on that. Uh, I think there's some intrigue here from Drew Smiley. If he's hurt, get rid of him. If he's not sitting 93-94 and it said it's 91-92, get rid of him you know uh that that's that's it that's all you need to do because he's like your last pick in the draft yeah i i will say there are a lot of guys that are interesting last picks of the draft right now i don't know if drew smiley is the one i'd go for i think smiley is the one where let's say you took sixto sanchez or something and sixto yep you're not going to be in the rotation out of the gate and you're trying to replace sixto early and you don't really have something exciting yet because games haven't started you pick up drew smiley worst comes to worst you get that start against the reds otherwise uh you have something else that's more exciting and that's cool too so that's what i would do with those two pitchers i'm sorry for west nesky and company but you guys are just not in the rotation i do not care out of the gate but all right that is going to do it for this episode of the plus pitch podcast uh, make sure you subscribe and rate and review our our show It goes a long way for us. Just a nice like, hey, I didn't realize that the Pulse Pitch Podcast was free now for everybody. It is. And make sure you tune in every single morning of January as I'll go through all 
30 rotations in the major leagues. But that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.